Welcome to being a mom is gonna be love. <laughs> or hard, but yes. Welcome to being a mom is hard. Hello everyone. Thank you for tuning in today. This episode is a kind of unique episode because my mom and my sister are interviewing me as I tell my story of my motherhood journey and also get into a little bit about the podcast, um, like why I started it and what I've learned so far um, and what I'd like to change. So I hope you enjoy this episode. It's kind of odd to be on the other side of the recording session um, and to be interviewed instead of to be doing the interviewing. So um, I hope that you get to know me a little better and that you kind of understand a little bit more about me and and what I've been through in my motherhood story and why I I started this effort. The other unique thing about this episode is that this is actually my final episode of season one. So if you're catching this, this will be the last episode for a little bit. I'm going to take a summer break and kind of reflect and decide how to move forward with season two. So I'll likely be coming out to you guys for feedback to see what I could do differently or better or change in the next season to serve you as best as I can. Um, So yeah, this will be the last episode of the season and I'm going to take a little bit of a break, but we will be back um, with more episodes after the summer. So I hope you enjoy this episode. It has been so fun doing this season and recording all of these sessions with all of the moms who have joined me. I'm so thankful to be a part of it. I get into it in the episode, but I'm just so grateful to be able to share all of these stories with other moms. And um, I hope if you're someone who's been a regular listener that you have found some value or support from hearing other moms' stories. And and just if you're someone who has shared, I hope that you have found it meaningful to share your story as well. So I really appreciate you. Even if this is your first episode you're listening to, I appreciate you and um, I hope you enjoy. Hello, and welcome to Being a Mom is Hard. I'm Molly Cartmill here with my daughters, Kelsey McKenna and Mackenzie Cartmill. And Mackenzie and I are serving as guest hosts because for those who follow this podcast, it's now your opportunity to hear about the mom podcaster herself, Ms. Kelsey McKenna. And Kelsey, we are eager to hear your story about your childhood and your uh your trip from childhood, I would say, to motherhood. Um, so to kick things off, um, why don't you start by telling your listeners just a little bit about yourself? Okay, I will do that. It feels weird to be on this side of things, but thank you for interviewing me. And I love that you're excited to hear about my childhood since you were there for the whole <laughs> So thank you for interviewing me about it. Um, and Mac, thank you. You were there for almost the whole thing. Um, all but three years. Uh, yeah. So about me, I, Kelsey, I'm a mom of three girls. Uh, they're almost five, almost three and almost one. So we have all summer birthdays. They're all about two years apart and we're coming up on birthday season here starting at the end of this month. So I will have a five-year-old, three-year-old and one-year-old shortly. Um, by the end of the summer, and I'm a wife, got a, got myself a husband. I live in Pennsylvania. I'm originally from San Diego, um, and that whole move happened during motherhood. So I'm sure I'll get into that a little bit. Um, and I work in tech, in wealth fintech. So right now, my whole career prior to being a stay-at-home mom 
was working in fintech in the advisor technology space, financial advisors. Um, and I'm back doing that again, but I did take a little bit of time off uh, around the time that I had my second daughter. So I've been, I've done all types of work arrangements in my motherhood. I've been a full-time working mom, the breadwinner working mom. I've been the part-time working mom. I've done the stay-at-home mom full-time. Um, so I've had quite a few in these five years, quite a few experiences. And right now I'm in working in tech, full-time work, um, and running this podcast for fun on the side. So I've been doing this. This will be like the 21st episode or something like that. Um, so yeah, it's been a big, fun learning curve, but I've gotten to talk to a lot of moms and um, I'm really grateful to have been able to do that and to share their stories with this audience. Yeah, that's great. So we'll, um, we'll go back to the, uh, the podcast in a little bit, but maybe you could start by um, telling us a little bit about your childhood, how you were raised, um, what really stands out to you as you think about growing up. Um, and I know you're your mom. So that might be awkward, but um, <laughs> the good, the bad, whatever comes to mind. Um, yeah, share about your childhood. Okay, yeah. Um, yeah, I always like to ask moms this because I do feel like before starting the podcast, most of the moms I talked to, when we would talk about motherhood, we would kind of look back and there would be something in their childhood that has really informed how they mother or how they chose not to mother um, and kind of how their experience, like what their expectations were versus what reality was like. So that's why I always ask that question. And I have thought about it before in my own life prior to starting the podcast. As you know, I'm a very like a family his I'm kind of like a family history nerd. I kind of like to to talk a lot of, with family members about their experiences and, and what they uh how they were raised and what their parents were like and what it was like growing up in the age that they grew up. Um so yeah, I've thought about it a little bit. I mean, in in my childhood, I think we got into this in your episode, Mom, which was just last this last episode that has aired. Um, but I do think what stands out to me is just kind of how you and Dad allowed for there to be for us to have a voice from a very young age. Um, when I look back at my childhood, it was a very like happy, um, fun childhood. It, it's a very like that's what stands out is it feels very I feel very nostalgic for. My childhood, which I feel lucky for that. Um, but in terms of what has informed my motherhood, I do think that diplomacy is what you always called it, but it's kind of like the OG gentle parenting or respectful parenting, um, which was just allowing me to have a voice and to argue my point from a very young age and to have an opinion, which I think has really made me feel like I, my opinions matter. Like I've never had to kind of overcome that hurdle of thinking like, well, should I share this? Should I is my opinion worth it? Um, and it really has informed how I parent my kids. But yeah, I grew up in San Diego, one of two. Mac and I are the only two. Um, so one of two girls. I'm an older sibling. I think that has come into play a little bit as well. Just I do feel like birth order for me has played a role. Um, yeah, I, I had a lovely childhood. But that's the that's probably, I think, the biggest thing that has informed my parenthood, I guess. It's just the diplomacy ability to advocate for yourself. And then, like I mentioned in the last episode, dad's humbleness, I think, in how he parents um, was really, I think, impactful for me. And I still, I try really hard to bring that into my parenthood. Um, it doesn't always come as naturally for me as it does for dad. Um, dad is like, so I don't know how to describe him. He's like the most honest person. It's like, 
you get what you get. And if he messes up, he's he fully owns it. He's like, yep, nope, that wasn't right. I shouldn't have done that. Or I shouldn't have said that. Um, so I try really hard to, to model that as well. Yeah. Sometimes it takes him five minutes, sometimes 30, yeah. but you can it's always short. count on the fact that it's going to be a short window and he's going to come and apologize and be gracious um, mm-hmm. about it. And I always appreciate that a lot about him too. Yeah. Especially for a dad. I feel like for, you don't yeah. get that as much with men. He's yeah. very in touch with his emotions. That's the other thing is he's a very emotional parent. I would say he's more emotional than you mom for sure. Yeah. But I do think like his, his um, emotional side and showing that throughout our life, like it's just, I think unusual compared to other dads I know even today you know um it, it came very yeah. naturally to him and he was very comfortable with it mm-hmm. and expressive very expressive of his emotions yeah yeah I think that's true so Mackenzie um you grew up three years behind Kelsey um from your vantage point did she miss anything big um does anything stick out to you that might be worth mentioning from your perspective um she pretty much hit on everything I would say um Aside from like the parenting aspect of, I mean, obviously you guys have always been like wonderful and that is a great point. You've always let us like argue for what we feel is right. So we had voices at a very early age. It was never like, do as I say, because I'm the parent. Um, We also are very close as a family, which I think we talked a little bit about on the interview with mom. Um, in the last episode that aired, like we've pretty much always been close. Kelsey, you and I have been, I would say you've been my best friend probably since end of middle school, beginning of high school. Um, and when we were little, there was those middle school years that were a little bit, (laughs) a little bit rocky, but we've always been pretty close as a family. Like we were pretty honest people with each other. We kind of hold each other like very accountable or kind of in each other's business, um, but I think that probably shaped at least me as an adult now and probably you, Kelsey, in your motherhood yeah. journey a little bit too. But No, we are weirdly close, like like in a good way, but we're very much wanting to just hang, <laughs> hang out and have quality time together um, like all the time. So yeah. that's a great point. I do think that's unusual to, you know. We haven't had any major like periods of time where we like weren't speaking or anything like that, which I'm really grateful for. And I do think that's it's like a value thing. That's like a value. So like there's the way that I was raised and there's a few things that stick out that I really try to replicate. And then there's like the values that bleed through. And I think you're right. That's like one of those unspoken things of just valuing family times and family celebrations and traditions and being together and really trying to it's what it is. And I've been thinking about this mom lately. It's like trying to build a relationship. It goes back to the diplomacy and the apologizing. It's trying to build that human relationship with each other instead of trying to do like the, like have there be power dynamics or other things at play. It really is focusing on that relationship, which if you do it right, I really believe, I have to hope, fingers crossed, that leads up into adulthood. And that's why we're still so close as, you know, as adult children now. I hope that it's because you guys spent all that time creating a relationship with us, like human to human, not just a parent child relationship. Not that you were ever like that parent who's like, I'm your friend, like I'm the fun friend, but more just like making sure there is like respect, there is acknowledgement of your, your own person with your own 
beliefs and thoughts and, and all that stuff. So that's a great point. Yeah. And, and maybe just a little bit, Kelsey, you could kind of share, we were obviously really close elementary school through pretty much high school. Um, maybe you could share a little bit about kind of your college experience or end of high school and then starting into college and work and then kind of how you met and came to marry the Shane McKenna. The Shane. Yeah. Um, it's funny because, yeah. So college was fun. I mean, I went to UC San Diego. Um, I originally went up to Sonoma State for like a couple months and was like, nope, I can't do this. Came back home. I went to community college for a few years and just kind of tried to recenter myself and figure out what do I want to do? What do I care about? Um, what am I passionate about? I didn't want to go through college just feeling like I was just checking a box and not learning anything that I wanted to learn. And I didn't know what I wanted to do or who I wanted to be. So I at least wanted to take classes that I liked. So I did end up figuring that out and um, got a degree in communication and did a lot of like media studies and film studies and stuff like that in college. Um, And I had had a lot of, I was like the type of girl who had a lot of long-term relationships. I wasn't someone who like dated around a lot and had a lot of those more casual relationships. It was like a lot of really long relationships from the time I was like a teen, like at 13 through when I met Shane, it was a lot of long relationships with not huge gaps in between. Um, and it's funny because I, I distinctly remember right before meeting Shane, or maybe it was after I had met him, but we weren't dating yet, telling everyone I am not getting married. I am not having kids. Like, I don't, this is not what I want. I wasn't a big baby person. As you guys know, I've never been drawn to babies or small children. Um, I never was like a babysitter. I remember babysitting one, uh, the Gold's nieces one time. And I was like, nope, not a babysitter. I do not like this. I do not like toddlers. I'm not into this. Um, So I remember prior to meeting Shane, just being like, I want to have kids, but not anytime soon. And there was even a point where I was like, no, I don't. Like, I, I don't think I want to have kids. So it's very interesting that within like a couple months of meeting Shane, my whole view on when I wanted to have kids and what, how many and all of that had shifted because I could just, I could just see it with him in a way that I couldn't see it with other boyfriends I had had. Um, and I met his family and he had, he has just like a big, <laughs> like a big family it was like chaos his sister at the time they were all these toddlers like small kids and toddlers everywhere um just like loud chaos and I was like I could see this like this like it reminded me of when we were kids and we'd have all the cousins together it was very much that feeling and I just remembered being a kid and having that feeling and wanting and wanting that for my kids so yeah I think it was really meeting him that I, I just had never been able to visualize it or picture it, I think is what it was. Um, but we met, yeah, we met at a housewarming party and ended up being cube mates sitting next to each other at work. And I ended up training him because I was already at the company. So I was like onboarding him into his job, basically, and we became friends. Um, and I had just gotten out of like a five year relationship. So I wasn't exactly looking to date anyone. But um, I don't know, he just we got along. It was very much like a friend. He was just he's so funny. And I just was laugh all the time. (laughs) Um, So eventually, we ended up dating. And within a couple weeks of starting to date, we were like, when would we get married? Oh, we'll get engaged in two years if we're still together. And then that's just what we did. (laughs) We just moved in together, dated, two years in got engaged, one year later got married. And one month after that got pregnant with Claire. Um, 
So it was quite a quick timeline when I look back at it. It didn't feel that quick at the time. Um, but looking back now that it's been almost six years since we got married, it was so short compared to now, you know, like we've been together double the amount of time we were together before we got married since we've been married with kids. Yeah. It's, it's funny. I, and I don't know, Mac, if you feel this way, but I remember when she started dating Shane, it was, she was such a different person from the person that she had been when she was dating the person before that. And it's just, it's such an interesting um, thing to think about, you know, how much, how much you can change, how much your orientation can change when you, you meet that person who is right for you. So it's, um, it's pretty neat looking back on it. And um, anyway, so we need to talk about your journey into motherhood. And you mentioned being pregnant with Claire one month um, after your honeymoon. And um <laughs> yeah, that's pretty fast. We yeah, were all right? floored. That's pretty fast. We were floored, I feel like. Yeah. I couldn't believe it. Um in the idea that you'd be celebrating your first anniversary with a several month old baby, you know. Yeah. In tow was <laughs> was pretty pretty amazing. I mean, it made my head spin. Um and not that it's about me, but as I said the last time, I mean, mother of the bride, all of a sudden I'm a grandmother, just like that. Um, it was very quick. Um, and thank goodness for that because we love her so much and she's such a special little girl. But um, what we're interested in, I mean, your career was in really high gear um, at the time. And so take us back to what was going on at that time. And how, how was it that you did? I mean, you mentioned meeting Shane. He had a big family. But there you are in like Bora Bora or somewhere like that. And you just come back and you're immediately, that was conscious decision to start trying mm-hmm. at minimum. And um, that's just, a, that's a little bit crazy for, by most people's standards. Um, so maybe talk about that. Why, how and why and why so quickly? And were you surprised when it was so fast or what? Yeah, you know, I think it wouldn't have been that fast if a very close friend of mine hadn't had years of fertility struggles and I was like right there with her getting updates almost weekly on what was going on and that friend you know she had spent the first few years of her marriage not trying then spent about a year casually trying before the doctors really took her seriously and then spent like over two years then actively pursuing like trying to figure it out basically and not getting pregnant um and I think that all was going on. She still was not pregnant by the time Shane and I got married. So basically my whole relationship with Shane, I had been hearing how desperate she was. And it just kind of solidified for me the fact that like, you don't know what you're going to get. You don't know if you're going to be um, very fertile or you're going to have fertility issues that are unexplained or somewhere in between. Um, and I do remember talking to Shane when we were engaged I remember this conversation we had where we were like, we really want to have kids. Like we know we want to have this big family. We don't know how hard it's going to be. If if we struggle with our first to get pregnant with our first, that could take a few years. Then if we want to have three, I always wanted at least three. He wants more than three still. He says that sometimes. Um, but I'm like, if, if we want to have at least three, like look at the timeline of how long it could take us. You know what I mean? So like, we really don't know. So I remember on our before when we were engaged, just saying, 
what would we re- what would we regret more? Would we regret more if we didn't get to travel early on in our relationship and like go out and adventure, or would we regret not trying and then potentially having fertility issues, or at least not seeing if we do struggle to get pregnant? You know what I mean? And we kind of landed on well, we would we definitely want to prioritize having kids earlier in case it takes longer, and we know we want to have quite a few. We don't know how far apart we want them to be. Um, so like we wanted to at least see if, if that was going to be an issue. So I think that played a a big role. Um, but I didn't expect, I expected to take, so I was on birth control prior to the wedding. And then when we were on the honeymoon, I decided to stop. I I ended my last like round and I decided to take a break so I could see if I was ovulating was really, was the intent. (laughs) It wasn't necessarily to like actively try, Um, but it was more so just to be like, okay, well, if it happened, like no big deal, but I'm at least going to track and see if I'm ovulating. And if I am ovulating, then maybe we'll wait a little bit longer because that's at least a good sign that it's moving. You know what I mean? Um, Uh I've been on birth control for so long. So that was the month that we got pregnant with Claire. And I've only had three menstrual cycles, my whole marriage, because I've (laughs) had three pregnancies within one month of yeah so like tampons I have like tampons from like 2016 or something in my house Um, because I don't use them but yeah so like I it turns out that we're just incredibly compatible in that way um so yeah we were not expecting (laughs) we were expecting even on the good side that it would be like a couple months that was like our thought was that at least we would have till the fall because we got married in september we i went off birth control in october and i told you guys i was pregnant in november um so we thought that at least we would be uh into the next year before i got pregnant if i got kind of accidentally pregnant without actually trying so it was very surprising and um and we were very grateful it wasn't, it wasn't like we, especially with Claire's pregnancy, we were like, whoa, that was overwhelming. But like, we're also really excited that we don't have these fertility issues and that it was very easy. But then that whole pregnancy, I felt very concerned, like something was going to happen because I was like, it can't be this easy. Like so many other people, it takes them months or, you know, I I did have those feelings for sure with Claire's pregnancy. Yeah. And just so everyone knows, were you 27 when you got pregnant or 28? Um, I can't remember. I was 26, 27, I think. Okay. I was 27 when I had Claire. I think I was 26 when I got sick, maybe. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's I was crazy. 26 when I got. I think you were 26 because you were, I think you were 26 when you got married and this was just a couple months yeah, later. Yeah, but I turned 27 before I had later. Claire because I've been on odd numbers. Every baby has been. Like 27, oh, 29, yeah. and 31 are yeah, the ages that I was it. when I had all three. But yeah, I was 26 because I just got married. Yeah, I met Shane when I was 22, technically. I hadn't even turned 23 yet. So yeah, I was pretty young. Looking back, I did not think that was young. <laughs> but there you go. It's like crazy. Twenty Early 20s, you're like, you don't know anything about anything. I know. I'm 28 right now. Oh, yeah. And it's <laughs> yeah. crazy to me to think that. I haven't really thought about that. You were 27 when you had Claire and you were 26 yeah, when you got married. When I had, yeah, when I gave birth to Claire, yeah, I was 27. Um, and I yeah, feel like she, she, beat you. she beat me. Um, <laughs> so I feel like you and Shane, it 
you're obviously very fortunate to, to get pregnant that quickly. Like that's a huge blessing. Yeah. Um, but walk us kind of through the stages of actually like being pregnant and giving birth. Um, I know with basically from your first pregnancy to where you are right now, it's been different with all three girls. Um, and it is a little bit frightening yeah. for someone like me, obviously who's yet to get married or have kids. Um, but kind of walk us through all the different stages of being pregnant with each, with each of your yeah. daughters. So with Claire, I did not realize like mom had said a million times how sick she was during her pregnancy with both of us, but especially me, I think you were more sick with me. And I had that in my mind, like my whole life. Um, but I didn't know that many pregnant people to be perfectly honest. Um, other than <laughs> I didn't know that many babies and I didn't know that many pregnant people prior to becoming pregnant. Um, cause I was one of the first of my friends and out of my cousins, it was really only my older cousin, Amy. She had just had her daughter. Um, her daughter is like a little over a year older than Claire. So I was familiar generally with what she went through, but I didn't realize how sick I would be. And with Claire's pregnancy, I think I was, um, this, the most nauseous, the most consistently. So like my nausea was all day, every day, and it would just get for the first 20 weeks and it would just get worse at certain times of day and overnight. Um, and that was the pregnancy where I, I really hate puking. Like it is a huge problem for me. I cry. I get very like, I get like hyperventilating almost when I puke, which is really embarrassing because I puked a lot now at this point from pregnancy, but it's very, um, it's like, I'm a total wimp. So I tried so hard not to throw up with Claire's pregnancy. Like I just remember I would, I would be commuting back home from work and Shane would sometimes be driving me because we worked together at the time. And I would be like, I'm going to throw up in the car. I'm going to throw up in the car, like the whole way home. Anytime we were in the car, I just felt like I was going to throw up the whole time. Um, and I actually ended up being hospitalized one night because I threw up so many times in the night that I was like almost delusional and shaking and I couldn't stop. So he had to take me to the ER and I ended up getting diagnosed with like hypermedis, I can't say this, gravidium, but it's basically like what Kate Middleton has been diagnosed with where you just, it like severely impacts your life. Um, so the first 20 weeks with Claire were that, um, and then with the second 20 weeks, I started to have the hip issues, which is basically like my ligaments got really loose really early in pregnancy with all three pregnancies. And so what happens is your hips start to like separate and track wrong and it creates like sciatic nerve pain and uh, like you can't sleep. It's like very debilitating when you're laying on one side or the other. Um, and so I had that like the whole second half. So during Claire's pregnancy, I was seeing a physical therapist that didn't really help. And then I eventually ended up finding a chiropractor with like a couple weeks left. And that was the only thing that helped. Um, but it was, I was, I think like 37 weeks when I found him um, and figured that mm. part out. Oh, yeah. So her pregnancy, I was like, this is brutal. How am I going to do this this many times? And I was so happy every week that I progressed. I was so happy that I wasn't having any major complications, but I was also just like horribly miserable, basically the whole pregnancy. Um so yeah, all three pregnancies had those two big like problems, just like very sick the first 20 weeks and debilitating hip and uh, leg pain the second half. With Marianne's pregnancy, there's a whole lot that was happening during that pregnancy because she was a COVID pregnancy and we moved in the middle of it. 
and I started staying home with her. But I ended up not even being able to walk at the end of pregnancy. I was crawling through our house <laughs> and Shane like made me a crutch. I had a crutch for a couple weeks. Um, like it was so severe at the end of her pregnancy that I was like, I don't know how I can do this again. Like every pregnancy, I'm like, I don't know how I can do this Awful. again. Um, and, and then I end up like, you know, doing it again immediately. So, so yeah, I think those are the biggest things that stand out is just the severe nausea and it's, and it's very overwhelming to feel like there's nothing you can do about it. Like I have taken the drugs for it. It doesn't go away. I've tried eating the things or eating small amounts. Uh, like I, I tried all of the things that they say. Um, and yeah, it just never, never <laughs> works. Like it never helps enough to make it like a good quality of life during pregnancies. And then the second two pregnancy, like the, the second and third pregnancy, to be honest with you, having another kid or having two kids during the pregnancy, it's just, you can't rest. You can't just like lay around. You can't sleep in. You can't like just go take a bath and like rest your leg like it just it it was impossible to try to manage with the other kids around so I think that in the Halley pregnancy that stands out the most is just the whole pregnancy being like a full-time stay-at-home mom with two toddlers <laughs> was <laughs> what stands out the most to me from her pregnancy is dealing with the normal stuff I normally deal with but then just feeling like so overwhelmed and physically exhausted just one um small thing that's coming to mind for me as I'm listening to you talk about this is you also had fairly um, dramatic deliveries, if you will, as I recall it, Claire was breech. Yeah. And you went through a lot of <laughs> issues with that. Yeah. I think Marianne came early. There were issues around that. I mean, Positive. maybe you might just touch on yeah. a little bit of that. Well, too. so with Claire, like the biggest thing, it, she was breech and I just didn't know until I was like 37 weeks and it was pretty much too late. And I think any first-time moms out there it's just something that if you go to a traditional OBGYN um, and you don't have like a more holistic practitioner that you're also seeing it's just something that you might not know to ask about to ask them hey what is the position the baby's in and I just like didn't know um, I had heard of breach before and I just assumed it was something they would have told me like I thought that they were just checking it um but that is not the case for the OB I was with. So I didn't find out until I was 37 weeks. And in that appointment, she was like, all right, let's book the C-section. I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> like, no, what are you talking about? Like, where did this come from? So it was very um, shocking. And I ended up trying to, I spent like two weeks trying to do a bunch of Eastern medicine, like <laughs> changes to get her to flip. Um, and I tried, I tried like the toe where you like, you, I tried acupuncture. I tried that like they burn like this thing by your toes. I did that. I yeah, was I upside down this. in a, yeah, I was like laying upside down in my house on a ironing board. I was upside down in our little pool at our condo complex and Shane's like <laughs> holding my feet up. Like I was literally <laughs> doing anything I could do. I was seeing a chiropractor to, I tried the thing where they flip her in the hospital, which was horribly painful. That was on your birthday, Mac. And I was like, we might have to deliver her on your birthday. Cause um, they were really messing with her and trying to flip her. So um, yeah, I ended up having a scheduled C-section with her. And what stands out the most, the C-section was pretty uneventful, but the recovery, I like did not realize how uh, brutal having my first major abdominal surgery was going to be. And it was so painful. And I just remember feeling like shaking, like just being in the hospital and everyone's coming to visit this before COVID. And like everyone who enters, I'm like, ah. like, I just like, I'm like, please let me just lay here in pain instead of pretending like I, you know, 
can get up and like be jolly with you. Um, so yeah, that really stands out to me. It's just, I remember like throwing up cause I threw up after that pregnancy cause I was on so many drugs after Claire's delivery. And that's the thing. The second two, I didn't take more intense drugs <laughs> with the next two and I didn't have nearly as bad of an experience. Um, so the first one I was on like all the drugs and I was like throwing up and I was nauseous and I was like, uh, sweating a lot and I was just uncomfortable and I couldn't go to the bathroom and it was just horrible. So then the next two times I didn't really do as much of that and it ended up being a lot better. And it also probably was because it wasn't my first time. So I really, my expectations were better set. Um, but yeah, so with her pregnancy, there was that with, with Marianne, she had velamentous cord insertion, which I've only ever met one other mom who in person who I knew who ended up having that diagnosed for one of her kids. And it was, it's much more common in twins. It's very uncommon in single pregnancies. Um, but basically what it is, is the cord is fragile and it's not, it's not attached the right way. So they have to monitor it throughout pregnancy and then throughout birth. If you're even able to try to give birth, they have to monitor it because the vessels within the cord are exposed. So if the baby pushes up against them, they can lose flow or um, if they come out and they tear, if it's wrapped around something and it tears, they can lose oxygen. Um, so there's just a lot of complications that can happen if it's not monitored properly. And with that birth, um, I was supposed to have, I was supposed to try for a VBAC at 39 weeks at the latest. And um, they had been monitoring the cord issue and I ended up, my water ended up breaking it, breaking at 37 weeks. And, um, so they monitored and I tried to start for a VBAC, but it ended up being an emergency C-section because the cord was compressed and it was let, making her heart rate drop a lot. So we went into the surgery as an emergency surgery, but I was at least already on something so that they could, um, I could stay awake for the procedure. Um, but they said when they pulled her out, if it hadn't been a C-section, she probably wouldn't have made it because the cord completely disintegrated um, when they pulled her out. So that was Marianne's C-section. Um, and then Hallie's ended up being a C-section as well because I got pregnant too close to Marianne's birth that they wouldn't allow me to even try a VBAC. Um, even though she was the only one who was like the best candidate probably in terms of how she was positioned and how much she weighed and like where she was at when I gave birth to her. So that one, that one was fairly uneventful, um, from a, like a C-section, but it was still a major surgery. Yeah. Well, um, I think these kinds of experiences, you learn a lot about yourself, mm -hmm. um, about life in general. And so I think a good question is, you know, what has been the most challenging part of your motherhood journey so far? And then maybe what's been the most rewarding, would you say? I think the most challenging part has been, uh, there's two things that come to mind. I would say probably the most challenging is how much it has impacted every relationship, including my relationship with myself. I think that's probably the most challenging is I just didn't know to expect that level of disruption in my life. I knew it would disrupt my schedule and my finances and my lifestyle to some extent but I didn't realize that it would, it would impact how I saw my relationship with my spouse, my relationship with my career, how I viewed myself and what I value, how I viewed everyone else, like even our relationships within our family, like it completely shifted 
my priorities. And I think my priorities and also how I saw myself within other relationships, I guess. Um, I've become very, very aware of my time. And it's not always in a bad way. It's not that all these things have changed in a negative way. But I think what's been the hardest about it is that they have changed. And there's just not a lot of time or energy available to process those changes. So I think that's probably the the hardest part. The only other thing that comes to mind that was a competing top hardest thing is probably the isolation. I feel like what's really tricky, and this comes through in so many interviews that I've done, but what's super tricky is just nowadays, you don't have to see people in person to think that you are socially engaged in life. And so what ends up happening, and it's not even like, when we were kids and you would have to call someone on the phone and check in on them. It's like this false sense of connection that I think, especially when you become a mom, you sit there and you breastfeed or you're up in the middle of the night and you see all of the lives of every other person that you know, and you think that you know what's going on with them. And it's a false sense of knowing. And so what ends up happening, at least for me, is like I obviously compare my own life to theirs, but I also don't have enough of the other type, the real type of connection, which is like knocking on someone's door and sitting in their kitchen and, you know, chatting or running errands together. I was just, I just saw a meme like Mac Romer in in high school, you would go run errands. Like I would pick up Laura or we would go together to Rite Aid. Like now it's like, I go to Rite Aid by myself. I pick something up. I check my social media and I'm like, Oh, Mac, finish that project and you're my sister. Like it's not even like we're <laughs> old friends or something. You know what I mean? Well, if it's any consolation, I also go to Rite Aid by myself now too. Because I know, but like here. even if we were <laughs> together, would we go to Rite Aid together? Like I feel like as a mom or maybe it's just now with social media, like it just feels very lonely. It feels very much like you're in this by yourself. Yeah. Which is kind of why I started this podcast. Um, and hopefully it's helped people know that they're not the only people going to write it alone um, or, you know, sitting up in the middle of the night, staring at a screen and seeing everyone else's vacation pictures or whatever. Um, but I think the, the worst part of it is not even the comparison. It's the fact that I don't, I think I don't need to do the other things, which is like just show up at someone's house or call them or whatever. And I think that's really the most tricky thing for me socially is it it just doesn't feel like as much of a top priority because you already know you know what I mean like if I call my friend I already know what happened kind of and I don't really like of course that's not true but that's how it feels it feels like it's a lower priority because of that um yeah yeah and I think you get into the mode of just liking or loving something and you move on yeah and there's a whole story behind it that you don't know and that you can't appreciate um yeah but you mentioned so you mentioned some of the challenging parts, and we do want to talk about the podcast a little bit more. But yeah, the most rewarding. Um, don't th- I don't think you mentioned the most rewarding. I know. But what has been the most rewarding part to you of the motherhood journey? I mean, besides the obvious, Claire, Marianne, and Hallie, they're amazing. Yeah. But what have you found most rewarding? Yeah, I mean, I can't not mention them. I mean, they really are like incredible. Like even at this age, they are just like shocking to me how awesome they are. I'm sure everyone thinks their kids are awesome, but um, they really do. They just crack me up. They're funny. They're witty even, which is shocking at this age, but they're just, they crack me up and they are so sweet. Um, 
and I've really enjoyed like getting to kind of be a part of it and like help them through different things. I think other than the most obvious motherhood things, the thing that stands out is I do feel like I know myself more now. And I think that this is a relatively recent development for me. I don't think that Claire popped out and I was like, I know myself, like I know my mother. This is like three kids in like, uh, having done this podcast, having stayed home and really tried to recenter myself, um, around like, what do I care about? What do I want to spend time on? It's really forced me to look at my priorities very closely. Um, because if I'm going to spend time away from them, I don't want I want the time I spend away from them to be for me to feel really good about it and to feel like I really am doing something that I would be proud of. And also I want them to see me enjoying it and and see me really thriving. So it really has set a different, a new standard for me, for sure. I think I loved my career prior prior to having kids. I was very passionate about it. Um, but then having kids, I really felt the need to step back. I felt like I had just been going, 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 going for so many years. Like since entering elementary school, you're just like checking the next box and climbing to the next rung. I know we've talked about that a little bit, but I felt the need to step back and really say, what do I want to be doing? Like, do I want to stay in this industry? Do I want to keep doing this type of work? Why do I want to do this type of work? What else do I want to be spending time on so that they can see, you know, I'm raising three daughters. I want them to see me putting myself out there and trying, you know, trying to, to make a change in an area that I care about and also doing work that I am passionate about and feel good leaving the house and leaving them and, and going and doing. And not everyone has that privilege. I am totally aware that that's a privileged like position to be in. But since I am in that position, I want to make the most of it, basically. Um, so I think that's like the most rewarding thing outside of the kids themselves and my relationship with them is just how it's really transformed. Like I was just telling you this the other night, mom, I feel so much more like comfortable in my own skin and in my own, um, like knowing what my strengths are and knowing what I'm about, knowing why I'm doing this. I just feel a lot more comfortable even than I did in, um, every area of my life prior to having kids. So it's been very rewarding in that way as well. Yeah. I feel like some big changes kind of just in knowing you so well, some big changes within yourself happened kind of even right before Hallie was born, I would say, and right after, right? Like you, there was just a lot um, within you, I feel like that kind of shifted with that pregnancy and kind of postpartum experience. Yeah. This is like a silly thing. So I'm going to, this will be the thing I look back and say, why did I say that? Because it's such a dorky thing to say. But so Claire, her name, like Claire, it means clarity. So like, I remember when we named her that I was like, wow, clarity. And what's funny is in the year after having Claire, I felt like I got such clarity on what my next steps were. Like, I just knew I had to take certain steps, even though they were steps I never would have thought I would have taken before having her. I just was very clear that I had to take those steps, but I didn't even know why. Then with um, Marianne, her, <laughs> if you look up Marianne, it stands for like freedom. So like the French Revolution, right? Like uh, freedom. And what I found with her in the first year after having her was I did just, I felt this sense of freedom unlock at some point after having her with like my brain. It's kind of like I had a word of the year without even meaning to, and I just stumbled upon this. Um, but basically it just kind of like unlocked and, and I felt very 
free to explore a lot of different things that I had never explored. And I'm not saying go do them, but just start tossing them around in my head, which is the kind of person that I am. Um, and then with Hallie, her middle name means peace. And I remember when we gave her the middle name Irene, which is Shane's grandmother's name, I really did want there, I wanted to find that peace. I felt so unsettled prior to Hallie's pregnancy, to be perfectly honest. I knew I had been tossing these things around. I had been exploring. I could do anything. I could start a business. I could I could do anything, right? And then once I had got pregnant with Hallie, it just felt very clear like what some certain next steps were. Um, and that is what happened after she was born as well. Is I just got a lot more, I don't know, a lot more at peace with myself and with what I cared about and with what I should be doing. So I know that's like a cheesy thing, but no. that really is like each kid has brought something out of me. And okay. I think with Hallie, it really was like the bow on top of so much work I had been putting into myself of just trying to figure out like, what am I about? Why am I doing the things I'm doing? Why do I like doing what I like doing? Like, how do I want to spend my time? How do I want to raise these kids? Like, how do I want to be a wife? And I do think I lost myself for, to some extent. Like it was, it was definitely a, a loss of who I thought I was. And when you lose something, you're just kind of swimming around in this no man's land, like trying for a to while. Find it. Yeah. Like trying to find it. So I feel like from the time I left my career after Claire was born until maybe like late, a couple months after Hallie was born, it really was me just like feeling around in the dark but with purpose, you know, like me being like, where, what am I doing? Like, why did I do this? Like, it was just such a weird looking back on it. It's a very weird experience. Um, I'm like definitely someone who spends a lot of time thinking and reflecting and picking things apart and putting them back together and like turning things over in my head. And it, that's what I've been doing since they were born. And I feel like after how I was born, it became a time of action for me of just like very peaceful, like purposeful action which is how we ended up here was just yes me. i know i was just gonna <laughs> was just me leading knowing us myself the podcast yeah because i never i was always not a doer i'm still not i still don't feel compelled to do and that's why this year my <laughs> my mom's laughing at me my uh my word has been i don't even know what my actual word is but basically action like i do is my word of this year because i've spent so much time reflecting and kind of picking every piece of things apart. And now I just decided this year, I need to just go for it and, and try things and, um, and think a lot because I love it. It's something I could just sit all day and think alone. Um, but also do things and take action and, and kind of make changes. So I think, yeah, the podcast is, is definitely a part of that. Me going back to work is a part of that and like owning it and saying, yeah, I am working. I am a working mom. I'm not spending as much time with my kids, but I'm doing something I believe in and that I think will make a difference. And um, I'm like owning that and I don't feel guilty about it okay. the way I used to, you know? And why would you say, you kind of mentioned, I guess, why you started the podcast, but I guess what made you, and I know you've recorded other podcasts um, with other moms that actually kind of dive into this a bit more, but why did you start the podcast like what made you start it and kind of what have you learned from it since starting it yeah it's funny because i really think that it, it's i think that i i don't i'm not one of those people who says everything happens for a reason like in a snarky way of like that happened for a reason like i'm not one of those people but i do believe that if you kind of like follow the breadcrumbs you will end up where you're supposed to be and this was a case of that it's like i said a few minutes ago i just had this sense of peace with hallie 
around this a little before she was born and after she was born where I just realized that I, I do spend a lot of time thinking, but I need to take the next best action. I'm never going to be somebody who commits to a really, 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 really huge big thing without taking just, and, and I'm not going to get there if I don't take meaningful steps. So basically like the way I got to this podcast was I just was kind of following the breadcrumbs. So I had a friend reach out to me. I had been trying to figure out what mom and I could do uh, with our time because I was a stay-at-home mom. Mom was retiring. I knew that mom was not going to be just hanging out in retirement for more than a couple months. So I was like, this is my chance to do something with mom who I already enjoy talking to all the time. And my friend had reached out for some leadership advice. And I thought, oh my God, like, why aren't we making a podcast? Why aren't we putting this advice out there? Because I immediately called mom to get, I couldn't remember the source that I was looking for, for some leadership question. I, I remembered the, the content, but not the source. So I reached out to mom and I was like, oh my God, we could be doing something with this. So I started looking into podcasting for that reason is because I realized this is a free way to reach people and for people to get value and for you to give back to people in, in a way it, with something that you know and that you can bring to the table. So that was my first kind of dip into looking into podcasting. And the reason I talk about breadcrumbs is I would never have just woken up one day and been like, you know what I should do? Start a motherhood podcast. I would have absolutely never <laughs> thought that. So I think this was like a soft way for me to learn about it and to be open to podcasting and to understand how easy it can be and how you can do it with other things going on in your life. And I wouldn't have gotten even that far if I thought it was going to be just me randomly <laughs> recruiting people to come on and talk to me about their motherhood story. So I started looking into that. But mom and I, we played with it for a long time. And we just couldn't, we didn't figure out how to make it work at the time. It may be something that we go back to, but we we're like, this is just not working right now. I wasn't even working. So trying to do a work-based podcast while I wasn't even at work was challenging. Um, so, but it, I knew I had all the pieces in place. Basically, I knew exactly what to do if I wanted to start a podcast. And then this idea just came to me, like I said in the intro to this podcast. It just one day, I it was just a rough day. I was at mom and dad's house. We were traveling, which always brings out the best in my children. Um, and it was just like a really rough, tiring day. And I just looked at myself, and like this happens to me all the time, where I look at myself, I'm like, what happened? Like, what <laughs> happened? I used to be this. <laughs> like just like useful and this is not like a knock I'm like all body positivity I'm all about like loving yourself and I really do I I really do but I I just didn't even like recognize myself and it's only been a couple years that I've been married and now I'm just like this old person like I can't even sleep without a pillow between my legs I have sciatic nerve pain every day I can't I I have like a weird belly button like thing like my belly button has my intestines sticking out of it like there's just so many like one of my boobs is huge compared to the other one one of my nipples is like all chomped up I was just like what what happened it's like we got run over by a bus or something so this is the part you're gonna regret when you listen to this I don't regret I'm that crying. I'm crying. I feel like this is I bet no. I bet you anything, everyone listening to this is like, yep, one of my if you were breastfeeding, one of your nipples is probably all chomped up. It's your it's your good boob. So I just was like, what happened? Like we're all doing this separately, is what I thought. Like we're all probably out there thinking this separately and no one's just saying it. And so what popped into my head was the words being a mom is hard. And it felt like a dirty thing, like I wasn't supposed to say. Like it felt very controversial. 
is what it felt like when I thought it. You're supposed to make it look easy. Yeah. As you said, you're supposed to make it look easy. I've written a post about this, but like, it felt like wrong to say it. And I was like, honestly, what was in my head was like, fuck that. Like, why? Why would this feel weird? Why does this feel wrong to say? Like, obviously, something is wrong with society. If something that ruins your body, changes your relationships, causes you to basically be tortured by not sleeping for years, like, why would you be walking around? You have no personal time, no space. It's incredibly rewarding. But so is going to medical school. So is like being a Navy SEAL. So is like a lot of things that are very rewarding are also hard. And no one is walking around being like, well, if you say that that is hard, that you are not grateful. You made that <laughs> choice. But they do with motherhood. And it just in that moment, it pissed me off. And so I was like, I have every tool I need to go talk to moms and put it out online. Like that's honestly what I thought. And so I just decided since it was the year of doing, this was early January of this year, 2023. And I was like, I'm just going to do it. Like, I'm going to put it out there. I'm going to see if anyone will do episodes with me. And as soon as I said it, I got like 10 episodes booked. So I was like, well, now I got to do it now that I have episodes. booked. So then I just started recording it. But yeah, that's the reason is I just it felt wrong. And you know me with my advocate personality, I just couldn't let it sit. Um. I couldn't, since it was the year of doing, I couldn't just sit and be upset about it and turn it over in my head. I had to try to do something about it, I guess. So let me ask just one follow-up question having to do with the podcast. I mean, it seems to me you're busier than ever right now. You're working full-time, you're traveling, you're keeping up with these three little busy little girls. <laughs> Somehow you're making it all work, but you know, where is the podcast yeah. heading? What ideas do you have going forward? Um, is there anything that you plan to change or do differently? Maybe tell us a little yeah, bit about that. I mean, it's been rough since fully getting up and running at my new job to keep up. What it is, is I'm, I'm getting the podcast episodes done and I'm happy with the quality of the episodes and like the content. But what I'm not as thrilled with is how much I've been able to promote it. And it feels like a disservice because these moms are coming on here and they are sharing very vulnerably. And I know that moms are tuning in because I can see that people are listening. It, it's not a huge number, but people are listening and getting value. But more people could be getting that value if I was promoting it better. I know how the algorithm works. So that's, I think, the thing that is frustrating me. But I do think that... Um, Going forward, I think I'm going to take a step back and kind of plan a little better for a season two to figure out how I can make this work and really make sure that I'm promoting it in the way that I need to, to reach more people. I think that's my biggest issue right now, honestly. I, I also, I want to be a, very intentional now that I know a little more about the audience. I want to be intentional to make sure I'm delivering topics and content that they are really looking for to be more supportive of what moms are going through. I think a lot of moms in the audience are earlier in their motherhood journeys. And there are a lot of things that come up that are really difficult and that I could be bringing on some specialists, not to give like preachy advice, but more to give support and guidance and resources. So I want to have more balance of that as well. I just have to figure out how I can do that <laughs> with my job and my kids and traveling um, for work occasionally. So I think that's, that's the biggest thing. So who knows which way I'll go, but those are kind of the, the bigger goals. 
I do want to say like looking back at this, this season and all of the interviews I've done, I'm just so, when I look back on it, I'm so grateful that I stumbled into doing this and have been a part of bringing these stories to other moms because I have gotten so many messages, like a certain episode will air and a mom who's going through a very similar thing will message me um, and will say, oh my gosh, like, thank you for putting that out. This really spoke to me or this part of this story makes me feel less alone. And even if I said to you guys at the beginning of this, even if one person tunes in to every episode and that one person feels like there's value, it will have been worth it. So it has been a little bit more of a grind at the end here than I wanted it to be. But I'm so like thankful that so many moms have stepped up and have wanted to be vulnerable. Like we've had, I've had moms share such vulnerable stuff on here that I have not heard from regular moms, at least on any platform. Um, you see it on Instagram sometimes if you come across it. But in terms of podcasting, it's a lot of like celebrities. It's a lot of writers, like people who are doing kind of a tour. They're trying to get a message out there um, who I've heard from. And then there are really specialized podcasts on like birth stories or lost stories or, you know, so I think that it's been interesting that certain moms have been drawn to share their story here. And I have had quite a diverse set of stories come through love to get more diverse in stories in the future as well i guess well now you mentioned the season this season is this how many podcasts are in this season is this is this the season are you taking a break or what's happening next yeah i know i'm gonna take a break for summer um so this may this may end up being the final episode aired of the season um but i know i'm gonna take a break for summer and um kind of strategize for the next batch. I, I wanted to make it till till summer, kind of run the school, the end of the school year here, I guess. Um, and then we have a bunch of vacations coming up and stuff. So I do know I'm going to take at least a small break for um, for the summertime and use that time to plan for the future and to talk with moms in, in my audience who may have feedback for what's next yeah, as well. Sense. Okay, well, we're um, almost at time. But um, I guess I would just say, is there anything else you would like to share about the motherhood journey of the podcast? No, I mean, just a thank you to <laughs> all the, yeah. <laughs> just a thank you to all the moms who, including you, mom, who have shared uh, their stories on this platform and who have supported this also on social media. A lot of moms have shared this um, and not moms have shared this as well. I've got some dads out there. I've got some women who are not moms who have been very supportive. So um, thank you to all to everyone who has been supportive in this journey. Um, and also thank you to you guys and Shane, if you're listening to this one, thank you for, you know, giving me the time and space to do this. Um, so yeah, I just like, thank you. Well, I'm, I am a fan and I have listened to every single episode and um, have probably not done a good job of sharing them and doing all of that. But I just, I can't help reflect on how neat it would have been to have that sort of thing when I was at earlier stages of the motherhood journey. And um, there was just nothing, nothing even remotely like this, um, any kind of forum whatsoever. I mean, the best you could expect is if you happen to have a neighbor that had a kid in the same age zone, you know, you might see them at the mailbox or have a glass of wine together or something while the kids played um, mm -hmm. in the yard. 
and maybe you'd have a little conversation, but there just was nothing like this. So um, I have found them to be very entertaining. And I know from talking to you that the audience has grown over time. And I think that's a testament to the quality of the, um, of the podcast and the guests that you've had on and so forth. So um, I've gotten a lot out of it and I'm um, not a, a working mom you know, with kids <laughs> under the age of 18 in this moment. But um, boy, I've picked up on a lot of interesting insights. And there's just so many different journeys, um, you know, through this, uh, you, you, the, the pathways are so different, differing and varied. And um, it's all a struggle, no matter how comparatively easy or hard you have it. Everybody has a definition of hard. And um, it's hard. Mm-hmm. It's hard. and. Um, I felt like I couldn't say that ever, but I can look back on it and say, yeah, it was hard. It was damn hard. Yeah. Um, to do all of that. So, um, yeah. You're making me think of the thing I do want to say, mom, which is what? this came up on my Stacy interview a little bit as well, a couple episodes back. But what I want to say is like, I think the biggest thing that I, I think about when I think back on all my guests and the conversations we've had that were not recorded is that so many moms, are saying, I don't know, I'm nervous to share my story. Like, are people even going to be interested in this? Are people even going to care? Or like, I haven't had it that hard. Or like, I just, I don't have a story. I don't have something to promote. Like, should I even come on here? So the thing I want to say is like, I think that every woman should share their story in in, in as honest of a way as they feel safe and they feel they can. It doesn't have to be through a podcast like this, but even if it is just with your neighbor, even if it is just with someone that you know or a friend, I think that that's really what I think that women and moms, especially realizing that there is value in sharing your story, not only for you to feel heard and seen, but for other people to see themselves in your experience and to really get a grasp on how, um, how rampant this isolation and struggle is. I think that there are so many of us and that's what I want to say is I want to say like, it's not just about this one audience and like my podcast and my audience. But if you're listening to this and you, if you do have a story, whether you tell it or not, you have one. So I, I think just making sure that everyone out there knows that so many moms have told me that hearing regular mom stories is very valuable and does bring them feelings of support and makes them feel less alone. So just knowing that it should empower everyone to to be as honest as they can, whether that's through social media, in person, uh, and just and not sugarcoating it, not to be overly negative or commiserate, but to be honest, because we can't ever make this less lonely. We can't make this less hard. We can't be more supportive to each other if we're all just walking around acting like this is just the chillest thing, um, which I, I don't think a lot of women are pretending in person. Yeah. I think in person, a lot of women are, are real about this, but I think it's not always as honest as it could be in terms of like, yeah, I just screamed at my child or I just threw something across the room or I'm experiencing rage or I'm experiencing deep depression or I'm having, I'm having marital issues or like, I feel like I've lost myself. I feel like I don't know myself. Like, all of these feelings, I feel like a lot of them get glossed over because even if you're willing to say, yeah, this is tough, this is tricky, a lot of times it's it's shielded with jokes or with humor. or So I think that's what I'll say is that's what I want everyone 
to to take away is just that. Uh Yeah, it's a great way to end it. And um, I know Mackenzie and I look forward to, you know, Mama's Hard round two or, you know, (laughs) once once you relaunch this next round, whatever that might look like. And um, with that, I would I think it's a wrap. Mackenzie and I really enjoyed hosting uh, the podcast today and interviewing you, the, the mom podcaster. And thank you for allowing us to do it. It was kind of fun to get you back after after that last one where you interviewed me. Yeah, well, thank you both so much. I, I really appreciate you coming on to interview. It was fun. Thank you so much for tuning in today. If you enjoyed this episode, share it with someone you know. If you share it on social, don't forget to tag me at BAM is hard on Instagram and being a mom is hard on Facebook. And be sure to rate, review and follow the show if you liked it. It will help more listeners find the show. If you're interested in being a guest or receiving my e-letter, head on over to my website, beingamomishard.com. Thanks again.